All right, welcome back to Alternative Interests, everybody. This is Crystal. Oh, hey, it's Jane. <laughs> I kind of shoved the mic into her face. You almost hit me in the head with it. <laughs> um, we are coming back, and this is part two of our coverage of Robert Wan. We talk a lot about the 911 call in this part of the episode, so I am just going to play it for you one more time in its entirety right now, just to refresh everybody's memory. Hopefully you didn't obsess about this and listen to it a million times since we last dropped the part one, but um, here is the recording of the 911 call. D.C. Emergency 911 operator 6752. Do you need police, fire, or ambulance? What's wrong, ma'am? We, just, we had someone that was in our house, evidently, and they stabbed somebody. Okay, somebody's inside the house now? I don't know. We heard... Are they bleeding? You see someone yes, bleeding? Someone is bleeding in our house. Okay, where's they bleeding from? Uh, I think he was... I think in the stomach. In the stomach? Is he cautious? Uh, Calm down for me. I'm going to send some help, okay? Female or male? It's a male. He's a friend of ours. He was, spent, he was spending the night with us. Okay. And who was the person that stabbed him? Do you know? Is, he, is, is he cautious? We need an ambulance. Ma'am, listen to me. He's not conscious. He's not conscious at all? No. We need someone right now. Is he breathing? Listen, listen to me. Calm down. I'm going to help you. Okay. Is he breathing? I'm upstairs, and he's downstairs. I don't know. Okay. Who's downstairs with him? My partner is downstairs with him right now. He told me to go upstairs and call the police immediately. I just went to the stairs. And okay. Who's the person? Okay. I'm sending paramedics and the police. Okay. Who's the person that stabbed him? I don't know. We think it's somebody with an intruder in the house. We heard the chime of the door. <laughs> and it's 15, ma'am, calm down. 1509 Swan Street Northwest, am I correct? Yes, it is. The person that says, is he still in the home? I don't know. We got help in route, okay? Pardon me? We have help in route. Thank you. They're here. Okay. They are there in route to you now. the police and the paramedics, okay, to assist. Okay, what I need you to do is go downstairs, okay? The place where, wherever he was stabbed at, I need you to get a dry cloth, okay? And just apply pressure to that area. If he was wherever he was stabbed at on his body, I need you to take a towel downstairs while you're waiting for the paramedics to arrive and just apply pressure. Even if the rag or towel is saturated with blood, just get another towel and put it on top, but never lift the first towel off the area. Hold it on. Once it gets filled up with blood, just put another towel on top of that and just apply pressure until the paramedics arrive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With that, with that, with the heart. In the heart? Yes. In the center of his chest. Okay. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? We have help him right now, okay? You don't know who it was? No idea. Don't touch, don't touch. Okay, is he breathing? He's breathing, but he needs help now. Okay, we have help in route, ma'am, okay? We do have help in route. Okay, just go down there and try to tell your husband or your other um, the other half to just try to keep him calm and talk to him, okay? Keep him calm and talk to him until someone gets there. Okay. And at the same time, get a dry cloth and just hold it right there in the area. Yes, my partner's holding the okay, it, holding it on him. Okay, and once it gets saturated with blood, then I'm get another one. Go get another towel so you can apply it on top of that one once it gets filled up with blood. Okay. We, need, we need you to apply pressure on that area. He is applying pressure right Okay, just hold it there until the paramedics get there. They should be pulling up any moment if they're already en route to your location. You don't know who did this. We have no idea who did this. Is the door open so they can get in? We don't know how they got in. Okay, well, I'm asking you now. Is the door open so the paramedics can get in once they get here? What? Sorry. What were you saying? Is the door open so they can get in? Is the okay. door open so the so the paramedics can get in the home? I'm going to go down. Is this a private home or apartment? It's, it's a home. It's a home. It's 1509 Swan Street, Northwest. The person had one of our, our knives. 
the person that stabbed him ran out the door with a knife? I, I think so. Uh, okay, anybody get any type of description of the person that came in the home? I have no idea. We have no description. We heard we heard the chime, and, and we heard the scream from our friends. Okay. And so we came running downstairs. We ran in. So you both was upstairs, and your friend was downstairs. Yes. You heard the door open, and then you heard the scream. We didn't... I didn't hear the door open until after the scream, and then we ran down the stairs, and we heard, we are, we have an alarm, and so the chime went off. Okay. Is the ambulance, we really need the ambulance. Okay, they in the row now, ma'am. Go to the door. They should be pulling up any moment, okay? I'm afraid to go downstairs. Okay, the person who's downstairs was the person that was assaulted. No, we're in the, we're on the second floor. Okay, so somebody need to go to says open the door for the paramedics. You're not sure if that person's still in the home or not. I have no idea. Okay, we have paramedics in route, okay? What time is it? What time is it at the moment? Yes. 2354. It's 1154, ma'am. 1154. Yes. I mean... I'll stay on the line with you. I will stay on the line until somebody gets here, okay? I won't hang up. We need them right now. I'm not hanging up, but we need, we need help now. Okay, they in route, ma'am. They are in route. <laughs> Let me know when you hear the paramedics. Can you look out the window and see if you hear them coming? I'm, I'm looking out the window and I see nothing. I see nobody. Okay, it seems like forever, but they are en route, ma'am. They're coming. Here they are. Here they are. They're there. I'm going downstairs. Okay. I'll stand in line with you till you open the door for the paramedics, okay? <laughs> Help us. We have someone with stabbed They're on our second floor. <laughs> Ma'am. No, it's really an emergency. I mean, he maybe he's sorry. <laughs> Ma'am, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> so now just going into into the crime scene. So the police brought a cadaver dog into the house and it hit on two areas of the house. There was the drain in the back patio and the lint trap of the dryer. And it was noted too that the drain cover in the backyard was like kind of lifted up as if it had recently been moved and they didn't fully put it back into place. And there was also a hose nearby that looked like it had recently been used. So if we're going back to Victor's account of that night, he kind of set up two different points when that hose could have been used as like an explanation. He said that one, the grill caught fire while he was cooking, which I don't know why you're the grill master if you can't make a fucking steak, but okay. So that's one point where they may have used the hose because he never specified what they put the fire out with. And later on that night when he's watering the plants, he also could have used it then because he, again, at that point, he didn't specify if he used a watering can or anything. He just said he was watering the plants. What would cause blood to be found or remnants of blood to be found in the lint trap of your dryer? If you had bloody clothes that you washed and then therefore dried. That's like the only reason. And these, all three of these people were like wearing white robes and underwear and looked like they just showered. So I didn't see anything about like if there were clothes in the dryer or there was just lint in the dryer. The cadaver dog also came a few days later. And... I feel like now is a good time to bring this up. So I was able to find transcripts of the interviews with Victor and Joseph. D 
Dylan's have actually been suppressed and I could not find them anywhere. I could find broken links where they were posted at one point, but I could not find an actual intact version of them. One of the places where I found like broken links where it doesn't exist anymore was a website called Who Murdered Robert Wan. And there are snippets in the comments section where, I mean, this used to exist at one point. And it's mentioned repeatedly in the comments that the police brought up that when they came to the house, Dylan was wearing a robe, but he was not wearing underwear. Oh, I thought that they had said that he was wearing a robe and underwear. Victor was wearing a robe and underwear. Joseph was wearing underwear. And the assumption was made that Dylan had underwear on too. But apparently at some point the police found out otherwise because it there's comments and snippets referring to the transcripts that the police were giving Dylan a really hard time about the fact that he was a gay man living in a gay house and that he was not wearing clothing when police showed up. That's so stupid. Them being gay doesn't really have anything to do with anything, um, in my opinion. So the police had searched Dylan's bedroom. And remember I had said that Dylan and Joseph were in this like dom-sub relationship So there was a lot of items for like bondage and BDSM, um, including a lot of books with passages highlighted found in Dylan's bedroom. Um, There were various books related to inflicting pain on others for purposes of sexual gratification, including electric shocks on others for pleasure or pain and enslaving others for sexual gratification. And it's important to note about about the sections involving inflicting electric shocks on others because there was this device that was found in Dylan's bedroom and I I forget what the device is actually called but like Crime Junkie referred to it as a milking tool it's an electric shock device that's it's it's used to force stimulation to the point of ejaculation on someone with a penis so I don't know how that works I haven't got one of those so that device was found in his room a lot of people allege that that device could have been used on Robert because we want we're trying to assume that that if any sexual contact was made that it wasn't consensual because Robert was not gay he was straight he was married to a woman allegedly i mean there's always cases of people that like have a secret life or you know do things that people don't know about but in this case i don't think that that's applicable here actually in one of the interviews and i know it was stated multiple times by joseph but Joseph very specifically says that Robert is as straight as the day is long on the record in one of his interviews. All right. So, I mean, we'll assume then that Robert is straight. Also found in Dylan's room was a New Yorker magazine that was open to an article entitled Late Works, Writers Confronting the End. And I didn't know this yet, but like, Dylan had a lot of different jobs. He was a writer at one point. He was, um, he went to culinary school at one point. Um, I think he did a bunch of other things. And so in this article, it begins with, quote, last words recorded and treasured in the days when the deathbed was in the home have fallen from fashion, perhaps because most people spend their final hours in the hospital too drugged to make any sense. What does that mean to you? Because it sounds like this article is talking about famous last words and the fact that we don't get them anymore because so many people, not even just like criminals who are sentenced to the death penalty, like their last words go on record. But it used to be very common in like older history for someone to make a last statement before they died. And it's just not common to do that anymore. 
rosebud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's interesting is that this article in this, this magazine was accompanied by a drawing of William Shakespeare lying dead in his bed. And his body was positioned similar to the way Robert's body was found. One other thing was found that's really noteworthy in Dylan's room. Probably the most noteworthy thing found in his room was um, like a a knife set. Because remember I said that he went to culinary school. It was this knife set was found and there was one knife missing from it. And they had contacted the police, had contacted the manufacturer and found that the knife that was missing matched the wounds in Robert much better than the knife that was found on the nightstand. It was the proper length and and like the proper size as far as like how do you say it? like how how big the blade was. Everything seemed to have matched a lot better than the knife that that they found on the nightstand. But this knife from this culinary set was never recovered. Nobody knows what happened to it. So now we're gonna we're gonna talk like a lot about the interviews that were done with these three men. Um, so during Victor's interview, he claimed he asked the operator, or well. He claimed that he asked the operator what time it was, um, which did happen. You had heard he asked, what time is it? In his interview, he stated that the operator told him it was 1143. But when you listen to the call, you can clearly hear her tell him. She said, it's 2354. It's 1154. I don't know if he was misremembering or if he's dumb and like was trying to make that up to make his timeline better. I... She says it twice, though, and it's very clear when she says it. That it's 11.54. During Dylan's interview, he was really intent on offering an explanation as for why the back door had been left open and unlocked. He had claimed that Joseph went outside for a second when they were, um, when Robert first came over and they were all standing in the kitchen just chatting with each other for a minute. He claimed that Joseph went outside for a second because he saw a spider and he wanted to go look at this spider that was like on a web somewhere outside and then he just didn't lock the door when he came back in i don't that's i that's kind of weird i'm weird and like if i see a spider outside i'm like oh that's cute like cuz i like spiders but if it's late at night like i'm not going to go outside just to look at a spider for a second i'll just wait until it's morning and then go look at it in the morning right like project yeah. project runways on you know, we're supposed to be going to watch Project Runway and I'm going to go outside and look at a spider? Like, I don't know. I'm not in Joseph's head, so I don't know. Joseph had claimed that when he found Robert, he lifted up his shirt and saw blood everywhere. Those are like almost his words. He said, I lifted up his shirt and I saw blood everywhere. The shirt that Robert was wearing was gray he was wearing a gray William and Mary college sweatshirt or t-shirt so it's not like he was wearing like a black shirt and like Joseph didn't notice that it was like wet with blood or something like he was wearing a gray shirt so and the shirt had holes in it so why would he have to lift up his shirt to notice blood on him that that doesn't make any sense no matter how you put it What's also weird is that Joseph claimed in his interviews that blood was everywhere. He said it was all over the bed. It was all over his chest. But when EMS showed up, there was barely any blood anywhere. I think that they said that there was something like like too little or like a, just a couple little tiny drops of blood on the bed. And there was no blood on Robert except for like very light marks where someone had swiped it off from him or onto him. But there wasn't any blood anywhere, so that's just not true. Joseph is Joseph's a liar. Joseph Joseph also stated that the police might find his fingerprints on the knife found by the bed. Um, because Joseph had said that the knife was on the bed um, when he went in the room, and then he moved it to the nightstand. And he straight up told police, 
well, you're going to find my fingerprints on the knife, um, but you probably won't find anybody else's because they, they were probably wearing gloves or something. And he just offered that information to the police, which if your friend just died, like that's so that would be like one of the last things on my mind is to try and like cover my tracks like that and be like, well, just so you know, you're going to find my fingerprints like that doesn't make any sense. He Joseph also tried to offer an explanation as to why Dylan didn't hear anything, because remember, Dylan was allegedly asleep um, when this first happened. So Joseph had claimed that the AC like runs through the ceiling above Dylan's bedroom and that when it's turned on, it's pretty loud. And that's why he didn't hear anything. And then investigators checked into this and they noted that it's it's nearly silent when the AC is actually on. So that wasn't true either. They went in and they had his AC on and they stood in his bedroom and they said that they could barely even hear it. All right. So now it's my turn. And I found a lot of information that Jane didn't and I made her upset. And just because this didn't really fit anywhere else, it's noteworthy that let me find that thing about Sarah. So investigators interviewed Sarah at one point, the tenant that was renting the basement. And Sarah, in that interview, said that at 5.50 a.m. on August 3rd, which is the morning after the incident, so this is just a couple hours after Robert had been pronounced dead, Joseph called her and he said, where are you? Are you still at Tom and John's house? Tom and John is the people that Sarah said that she was going to be staying with. He said, I'm okay. Victor's okay. Dylan's okay. Don't go back to the house. I don't have time to explain. And then he hung up. She, I guess at that point, asked, she was like, should I talk to the police? And Joseph said that, you know, I already gave the police all your information. They'll reach out to you. And then in the following days, Dylan specifically went to Sarah and told Sarah the police were taking a close eye on like taking a really close look at him because he was alone in his bedroom and didn't hear anything. It's just really weird that they they're like trying to set a, what it sounds like to me is they're trying to set up a story with Sarah that yeah, it's just it it sounds like they're trying to set up a story with Sarah so that if the police ask her questions, she'll give them the information that they told her. Uh the so we kind of went over information from Victor's interviews kind of throughout the episode. Joseph's transcript were was much longer than jo- than uh, Victor's was. And the first thing I want to mention is the first thing that made Jane upset. And that is that the responding officer who was the first to respond to this call arrived at the house at 12.02 a.m. So she showed up about 13 minutes after Victor had started the phone call. She had been the first to kind of start taking some notes. She talked to Joseph. Joseph told this police officer, her name is Officer Durham. Joseph told this officer that they had found Robert standing on the patio in the backyard, stabbed. And that they had brought him upstairs afterwards. Can I just tell you, when you told me this, I literally got so mad. Because <laughs> I have never heard that anywhere before. And, like, this whole case is already so messed up. And then you had to tell me that. And I literally was like, can you not? Like, for the past, like, couple days, you just... I've been, like... I'll, I'll look at my phone and I get a text from you and I'm like, this better not be about the freaking episode because <laughs> you just kept texting me and sending me new stuff that I hadn't heard before. And every time I was like, I don't even want to open this text <laughs> because it's going to be something new. And I was getting so mad. <laughs> Plus, some of some of these like I was at work and I I'm I work in like marine stuff. So I was I was on this boat. And, like, I don't get service very well. So I would go on my phone to look at the time. And I'm deep in the boat where there's no service. But it tells me I have a text from you. And I was, like, like I would read the text and it would be about the case. And I'm, like, I can't even reply to this right now. 
and it's like probably a good thing I can't reply to this right now because I don't have service because I'm like I need time to calm down after hearing all of this extra stuff that you've told me about this yeah so I actually tried to track down the notes from this officer Durham and I found this information initially on a Washington Post um, article and you know articles report things wrong all the time so I tried to find something to substantiate this because we were really trying to stick to actual verified sources of basically police documents is what we were trying to stick to I found on the website who murdered Robert Juan they had actually originally posted photos of some of Officer Durham's notes and they're gone now like the, the places where the photos used to be, you can kind of see this shadow of a, a extra space where it used to be. And there was speculation in the comments and I'm trying to stay away from like random people commenting, but this one actually stuck out to me. Someone in the comments said that they worked as a defense attorney and officer Durham was an officer for the third district. And this house was located in the second district. I don't know how she ended up being the first responding officer if that was not her district other than maybe it was close enough to the second district that wires got crossed and she ended up showing up. This defense attorney, and I didn't take down their name and I wish I had, um, mentioned that the fact that this officer was acting in a jurisdiction that was not her own a good lawyer could get her notes thrown out and they guessed that that is what happened because in the interview with Joseph, the detectives actually allude to these notes from officer Durham, but they never bring them up explicitly. And I kind of wondered why until I saw that note from that defense lawyer that said that the fact that she was operating outside of her regular jurisdiction may have made her notes get thrown out. And they did have good lawyers too. So all three men had different lawyers, but their lawyers were like high profile lawyers. Like I think all three of them like appeared on CNN at various times. One of their lawyers actually like was in a case against the FBI too. Like they were good lawyers. Okay, so now I can actually go into the things that were discussed with Joseph during his interview. So, like I said before, I gotta tighten this because it's being stupid. Alright, like I said before, Joseph was interviewed twice and it was just a few hours apart. In his first interview, he kind of stated over and over again that he's like, I know Dylan and Victor couldn't have done this. I know them better than my mother. They could not have done this. And the police thought this was kind of weird. They were like, you know, we do this a lot. This is our job. Usually when we get someone in here, they're very adamant that they didn't do it. It's not my friend couldn't do this. It's I didn't do this. I could never do this. Joseph, not once in his two interviews said explicitly, I did not do this. Never. Only at the very end of his second interview, when the police brought this up again, did Joseph say, well, I said I couldn't have done it. And the police said, well, no, that's not actually what you said. That's the only time Joseph explicitly says, I could not have done this. Also kind of a side note, because I thought like, it doesn't actually have much to do with Robert. I just think that this kind of highlights that Joseph is kind of a dick. But he said that the chime of the door woke him up. And he's flat out like, you know, I thought it was Sarah. And, you know, Sarah's kind of heavy. So if I heard any noise, I probably ignored it because she's kind of heavy. And I would have, like, been used to that. What an asshole. The other odd thing about this is that... Victor, so Joseph says that he woke up to a door chime and he says that nine times out of 10, this door chime wakes him up because he's a light sleeper. So also noteworthy is that Victor actually said he had a post nasal drip from his traveling, which is kind of normal when you travel out of state and you come back. A lot of people end up with a little bit of congestion. So Victor had taken both Sudafed and Unisom before going to sleep because the Sudafed was for his nasal drip. 
But he said that Sudafed keeps him up and he took the Unisom to help him sleep. So not weird to me that Victor didn't wake up to the door chime. But Joseph says that he he kind of dozed. He had not fallen back asleep yet when he heard a yell. And he never says scream. He always says yell or grunting. And the weird thing about this to me is that, you know, Victor, one, Victor said that he woke up to a scream, not grunting. But two, when both of them woke up to this sound, they immediately got up and ran downstairs. There was no, did you hear that? What was that? There was no nothing. It was they heard it. They jumped out of bed and they ran right downstairs, which is really weird to me. Joseph claims that he thought maybe Sarah had come upstairs, which I don't know why she would when she was renting the basement suite, which the basement suite is pretty nice. It had her own kitchen, her own bathroom, full bedroom. I mean, it was a mother-in-law apartment in every sense. I don't know why she would come upstairs. But Joseph said he thought maybe Sarah came upstairs up to the guest room. I don't know why she would go to the guest room. And she had been surprised by Robert. And that was what he heard. I think that's bullshit. The only reason I could maybe possibly ever see that being the case is because they had said that the room that Robert was supposed to be staying in was an office. So maybe if we want to entertain that, maybe she needed to use the computer for something. And she went up to the guest room to use the computer and then was surprised that he was in there. But she wasn't even there that night. She was at her friend's house. Right. So next, during the interview, detectives were trying to make it very clear because at this point they can tell no one broke into this house. And Joseph is just adamant that someone broke into this house. It's like every time they're like, dude, there's no evidence Joseph just says, well, someone did. He doesn't he doesn't give anything else. He's just like a dog with a bone and all it's several times. He just goes, someone did. Someone broke in. I think Jane established pretty well that Joe was a talker. Joe tried to tell the uh, investigators during this interview that he was not the one doing all the talking at the scene. And he was not trying to manipulate the conversation. He was like, I don't know if I talk to anyone first. I think maybe Dylan talked to them first. That has to be bullshit, though, too, because it was noted that when they all got separated, Joseph specifically was asking about both of them and what they were saying to the police. And he said, hey, something to the effect of like, hey, can you make sure that they know I've I've got their lawyers already on the way or, or something like that? Um, he was very concerned with what they were doing and saying in regards to the police when he was being interviewed the first time. Yeah. And actually, Dylan, it was it was all recorded because that was when he was in these interview rooms. They left the tape running and uh, Joseph asked about Dylan. He asked specifically about Dylan. He never asked about Victor. He asked about Dylan and he's like, where's Dylan? I want to see Dylan. And after he asked for Dylan specifically a few times, then he says them. I want to see them. Let me see them. But it initially was just Dylan. Additionally, I think it's further down in my notes, but I'll mention it now. With the second interview, Joseph was brought into the room and a different officer kind of situated him. The officer said, hey, I'll be right back. Just get comfortable. Joseph made a phone call and I don't know who the phone call was to, but the tape was running and it recorded Joseph's side of the phone call. So... Joseph starts talking to somebody. It sounds like it may have been a lawyer. And as an officer is coming back into the room to start the interview, Joseph says, yeah, it's. And then the police officer comes in. He goes, OK, I'll have to call you back later. It's it's very strange that he like shuts down the conversation. Do they ever like subpoena like phone records or anything? Do, did you see that anywhere? Because I didn't. I did not. And I think that may be because this may have been a phone call with a lawyer. So another thing Joseph actually said was that he he was very clear that at this point, 
Between the first and second interview, Joseph had called a lawyer. He had a lawyer and the lawyer told him, do not talk to them again. And Joseph deliberately was like, yeah, you know, my my lawyer told me not to talk to you again, but I have nothing to hide. So I just want to I told him I'd talk to you guys and he's probably going to kill me. But, you know, I just needed to talk to you guys. He also says, and this is weird. He's like, I want to make sure that you guys told Dylan his rights because I'm pretty sure you didn't. He asked that only about Dylan and not about Victor. Yes, he did not ask about Victor. He said specifically about Dylan. I want to make sure Dylan knows his rights because I don't think you guys told him. And the detective was like, um, we made sure to tell you guys your rights. And Joseph goes, well, I didn't get told mine. And Joseph is a lawyer. I don't think we mentioned that. Joseph actually works in copyright law, I believe. So he has a general understanding of some of this stuff. And Joseph tried to say that they never told him his rights. But on tape, they asked him, are you here voluntarily? And Joseph says, I am here voluntarily. That is, they're not interrogating him at this point. They're just getting a story out of him. They don't have to Mirandize you if you're just coming in for a statement. You would think that him being a lawyer, that he'd be a little bit smarter about all of this, really. Like, even if this isn't his, like, specialty, you know, because, like, not all lawyers practice all forms of law, right? Even if this isn't, like, his specialty or whatever, like, you would think that that someone that went to law school or someone with any amount of common sense would not ask, like, these dumb questions or, like, if your lawyer tells you don't talk to them, just be like, oh, well, screw that. I'm going to talk to them anyways. Like, that sounds really, like... I don't know how, like, I don't want to call it, like, arrogant, but Absolutely arrogant. I, I guess, like, he thinks that he, like, knows better. So kind of te- a testament to one of the things that made me decide to include this thing about Officer Durham's notes about the fact that Joseph said she found Robert outside on the patio. The detectives actually bring it up. And they don't say her name. I think they were very careful. And this actually solidifies to me that the fact that she was operating from a different district, they couldn't refer to her explicitly. They could refer to her notes. So the detectives asked Joseph, you know, you know, your story has changed a few times. And Joseph got all defensive and he was like, my story has not changed. And they're like, well, what about the first officer you spoke to? Like, do you remember who you spoke to? And he was like, I I don't know. Everything's a blur. And they're like, this was just a couple hours ago. You don't remember talking to a female, maybe. And Officer Durham is a female cop. And he said, no, I don't remember. And I think that Joseph is not dumb. I think he knew at this point there was something about Officer Durham's notes that they couldn't specifically bring up or they would have. And that's why he claimed he didn't remember talking to her. Because Officer Durham very specifically has notes that says that Joseph says they found Robert outside on the patio and brought him upstairs. If Robert was if Robert was on the patio, what do you think he was doing out there in his underwear? If he was in his underwear, because he was showered and reclothed, so we don't know what he was wearing. Yeah, but earlier Earlier, we talked about, like, how would they know, like, what to dress him in, right? And so we talked about, like, he was already showered and dressed how he wanted to be dressed to go to sleep, if that was the case. And he had his, he had his mouth, his bike art in. In any case, whatever he was wearing, what do you think he was doing on the back patio by himself, like, that late? I have no idea. Another really important thing that wasn't brought up until this second interview that happened, I think it started something like 6 a.m. was when this interview started. Joseph actually mentions that there was a phone in the guest room that Robert was staying in. So why did Victor go upstairs to their bedroom to call 911? Joseph tried to say that Victor was hysterical when he found Robert and that Victor just grabbed um, Joseph grabbed Victor's shoulders and said go call 911 and that Victor voluntarily went upstairs himself but like I understand wanting to get the hysterical man out of the room but there's a phone right there I they didn't understand it either 
Also really weird, and this is more me kind of reading into things, Joseph is very adamant that he and Robert are great friends and that they're good friends. They, He tries to say that he actually went and got lunch with his wife recently, and the detectives were like, oh, you did? So, I mean, you saw each other pretty regularly. Joseph said, yeah, um, she got a new job that's really close to mine, and we just, we... Um, she called me up and she said, let's go to lunch. And here I even have it in my calendar. And then he looks and it's not in his calendar. Like during the interview and he's like, oh, ha ha. I must have not put it in here. Ha 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 ha. But, but it happened. I thought I had read right. Cause they went, they went to college together. The first college that, um, Robert went to and they met there. And I thought I had read that like they were friends and they would catch up occasionally but they weren't that close to the point where joseph would go to lunch with his wife when robert wasn't around you know like because you got to be kind of really close friends to do that and i hadn't seen that joseph was like good friends with robert's wife it was just they went to college together so they would like you know keep tabs on each other kind of thing um but i had i had seen that prior to robert staying at joseph's house like they hadn't actually seen each other for a little while. And as far as I could tell, too, like, Joseph wasn't even Robert's first choice of a place to stay. It was just because he lived close to his house. Like, he had contacted the other uh, female friend about staying at her place before Joseph. Victor and Joseph both say in their interviews that they had recently taken a care package to Kathy, Robert's wife, because she has some kind of degenerative joint disease and had just had a hip replacement. And so they brought her like a care package of activities she could do at home because she couldn't leave home. Does his wife ever like back that up though? Or the lunch date or anything? Because on a lot of these like claims, like she makes statements like throughout this whole thing that we've we've gone back to like about Robert's habits and everything and I feel like if that actually happened like she would have said yeah that actually happened you know I didn't see anything about her statements um another curious thing uh, going back to Dylan's interview and I couldn't find it but again snippets were posted in comments apparently in all of this Joseph and Dil- uh, Joseph and Victor had hosted a 30th birthday party for Robert and none of them mentioned it. And his birthday was only like two months prior to this. So that's so weird. Um, another inconsistency here. Joseph said in his first interview that when they woke up to the screaming, yelling noise, that they ran down the stairs. In his second interview, his exact quote was, we didn't like fly down the stairs, but they were concerned, which is just odd to me. These interviews, I keep saying first and second interviews. You got to remember, these were literally only a couple hours apart. He had not even left the police department. He, this is two separate statements made basically in one sitting and his story changed. The other thing that I mentioned to Jane that made her upset. You remember we talked about this, that in the 911 call, Victor says that Robert was breathing, but he needed an ambulance. Joseph said in one of his interviews, Robert moaned when he put the towel on him. I don't know... So, so it was noted that Robert, Robert was definitely alive when these stabbings took place because his blood was beginning to be digested. Like when they, they had found blood like in his um, intestines that had been digested and had gone through his stomach already, which they had noted like he didn't have like ulcers or anything else that would cause blood to be in his stomach. Like this blood had gone into his stomach because of being stabbed and it was already being digested. So he was, he was alive at some point for however long after he had been stabbed. But I can't imagine that he 
would have been breathing like when Victor was on the phone, you know? But also the fact that Joseph mentioned that he moaned, like that's the weird, that's weird to me because he was very obviously like dead cold when EMS showed up. There was no way he was moaning just a couple minutes before. Well, and they had said too that he was somehow incapacitated. So if you're like full on passed out, like you're not moaning or making any noise anyways. So this actually, I'm glad you mentioned the digesting the blood thing because I actually found information that from a doctor, again, it was on um, who who murdered Robert Wan in the comments. And this was a physician that said blood in his intestines didn't necessarily mean that he was digesting his blood. There are some intravenous drugs that cause mass muscle relaxation that would actually cause his sphincter the lower sphincter of the stomach to relax enough that if he was bleeding into his stomach cavity if Robert was in an upright position at any point and it doesn't even have to be completely upright it could have been like I'm carrying a dead body up the stairs and his head is higher than his feet are the drugs could have caused the lower sphincter to release and blood could have trailed into his lower intestines. But if he was stabbed in the bed the way that Joseph, Victor, and Dylan want us to believe, there's no way the blood would have ended up in his intestines. And so the theory that I kind of have is that I don't have any idea what circumstances led to this, but I think Robert was stabbed on the back patio from behind by one of the uh, all these guys were taller than him that would account for the fact that the knife was facing essentially upside down it puts someone taller than him above his head the way we were kind of saying that someone had to be kneeling above his head in order to get the the blade the sharp end to be up like that it also accounts for the downward angle of the knife because if these guys are taller than him and they're stabbing down into him, that would account for that downward angle. And it also accounts for the fact that Joseph let it slip that they found him outside. It doesn't account for sexual assault. There has to be some. I, that's why I'm saying I don't know the circumstances that led them to do this, but that's what I think happened. Because we kind of went into it. There's there's no way Robert was laying down when he was stabbed. He had to have been upright or at least semi-upright. Another really interesting point. Joseph was like, I, like I said, he was really honing in on this. I think someone broke in theory. The detectives kind of were arguing with him. And finally, they were just like, listen, we used to work in the burglary unit. And you want to know how burglars work? And Joseph was like, yeah, sure, enlighten me. The detectives actually outlined, you know, the way that most residential burglaries work, especially when there are multiple levels to the house, is that a burglar will come in and they will take everything of value from that first floor and they'll pile it over by the door. They'll stick it in bags. They'll stick it in ways that they can pick up and go. They will then move to the second layer of the house. And if they run into a person on that second level of the house, they'll book it out of the house. But because everything is over right by the door, they'll grab it on their way out. That's how residential burglaries work. Joseph's first and second interviews were done by different detectives. The second interview, Joseph is explaining why his house alarm is not armed at night. He says that they just don't use it at night. And the reason he says that they don't use it at night is because they they figured what's the worst that could happen. Someone comes, sees we're home, they run off. Now, that is the dumbest shit I have ever heard. Honestly, if you have if you have a house alarm. What is the point of having it if you don't engage it? Like, oh, just because I'm home, like you're supposed to be asleep. Like that's, you know, like a lot of a lot of these crimes like happen, you know, during the middle of the day and whatnot. But like they do also happen at night. Like and if I'm a burglar and I come into a house and and the alarm's not engaged, 
it's the middle of the night. Like, I'm going to assume that these people are asleep. Like, I'm still going to creep around their house. Like, I'm not just going to run off. And I'm definitely not going to go bypass all this expensive stuff and go up to the far room on the second floor for whatever reason and run out. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. I think the interesting part about this statement is that in his first interview, he doesn't mention a word about why the alarm was not armed. He didn't come up with this reason that someone sees them and then runs off until after the detectives in the first interview told him how burglaries work. He took that information from the first interview and used it in his second interview. So um, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about about Joseph's interviews is that the police were kind of honing in on him, honing in on him about this 1143 that they keep claiming. They keep saying we called 911 at 1143. The operator told us 1143. The detectives are like, no, we we subpoenaed the transcripts. It says 1154. Like the call didn't come in until later. So, I mean, what what are you where are you getting this time from? Joseph does like a 180 and he's like oh well I didn't know what time it was at the time of the call it was later on when the police had us in the downstairs level of our house and they were asking questions they asked Victor and that's when I heard him say that the operator told him 1143 which is absolute bullshit because if you listen to that call you very clearly hear Victor repeat the time after the operator says it so there's no way. And he knew, Joseph knew what time it was anyways, because the whole reason why Victor asked what time is it was because apparently he was by Joseph and Joseph asked what time is it? And that's why Victor asked. And he that's why he repeated it so that Joseph could hear. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, all of this is just really, really shady. What is... Okay, so so the three men after this, they end up actually getting, um, I think, sued by by uh, Robert's wife. And her reasoning was um, not for the murder or anything. It was because they failed to help Robert, assuming that he was alive. They failed to help Robert um, because, you know, when the paramedics showed up, they weren't doing anything to try and help him. And so she had sued them. They settled out of court for that, uh, for an undisclosed amount of money. So I don't know how much money that his wife got out of that, but I believe like she, they settled out of court. So I'm assuming that she won. I hope she did. She deserves it. But they also were charged with obstruction of justice because they couldn't prove that they actually did the murder because, you know, they have to be able to prove without a reasonable doubt that they actually are the ones that murdered him. They have to know who did what in the murder and all that. And none of that could be proved. So instead, they were charged with obstruction of justice and altering the crime scene. All three of these men moved away and they move. They live like elsewhere. One of them lives in like Florida now. One of them, I think, might still live in like Virginia area, but like... Dylan lives in Seattle now, so that's cool. I hope I haven't ever run into him without realizing. That would be so funny if in your security days you ran into him at one of your stores. You know, like the first time that I ever heard this case, even before Ashley Flowers on Crime Junkie, even before she said that Dylan lives in Seattle now, I was like... Does that name sound familiar because it's like kind of a common name or like do I have I heard of this guy before or something? And also like I work in like a second chance workplace, which is where like a lot of the people that I work with are out of prison and they pretty much everybody. I'm the minority there because pretty much everybody I work with has some kind of criminal charge. And I think about that often. I think about like, because I don't know exactly what his charges amounted to and stuff. But I think about that. I'm like, what does he do now? Because he has had so many different jobs. 
maybe he works in a shipyard now and maybe I work with him and I don't even know. Without getting into any like crazy conspiracies or anything, because this whole thing is a conspiracy. Honestly, Jane said it wasn't. I say it is. That is the ridiculous convoluted story of the murder of Robert Wan. I want to know like what your theory is. Like I want I want to hear like what your theory is of of like what you think happened and then I want to tell you mine. Like my theory? I don't I used to have a theory until I found all of this extra information. So I mean beyond the fact that I think that he was actually stabbed outside I could not tell you anything else. I I have no idea. Well, thanks. That was very underwhelming. I was hoping that you'd have something. Okay. So, so my theory, because I hate this case so much. I hate it. I hate it so much because it's just so, it's so confusing. And there's so many rabbit holes and there's so many weird facts about it. So... Joseph and Dylan were in this like side relationship, right? And Joseph and Victor were allegedly like the most like Joseph and Victor were together and Joseph and Dylan had this like side relationship, right? But Victor was trying to make them be like a whole trio and not have it, you know, them doing their separate thing, right? So This is just speculation, but it's based on what we know about how Joseph kept asking about Dylan. He wasn't asking about Victor. I think that Victor may have felt like he was being pushed out. And that's why he was trying to make this whole trio work together was because I think maybe Joseph was starting to care more for Dylan than Victor. And I think that Victor originally didn't have anything to do with this crime. I think that Dylan is the one that murdered Robert. And I don't know why he did, but I think Dylan murdered Robert and Joseph had something to do with it. Um, And I don't know how big that part is, but I think that Dylan is the one that, that did it. And Joseph may have had some part in it, but because Joseph cares for Dylan so much, he was going to help him cover it up. And then Victor got up and found out what was going on. And like, mind you, these people, the three of them have been together for four years, but Joseph and Victor have been together for like seven years. So, I mean, that's a really long time. So, and it was said that all three of these men were like super close to each other. So I really think that Dylan did it and Joseph, maybe Joseph walked in on it in the middle of it happening or something and they were trying to cover it up and then Victor may have woke up and walked in and and found out what was going on. I don't think that the scream that the neighbor heard was... Robert I think it was Victor walking in and finding out what happened and then because they're all so close they were all they all came up with their story together and then Victor called the police probably they made Victor call the police because he was the most genuinely hysterical about it happening so he would have been the most convincing all of that absolutely makes sense and I think I think that part of the story makes so much sense but there's so much about like how he was killed where was he stabbed why was he cleaned where the hell did all his blood go all of that stuff I have no idea like absolutely no idea if he was stabbed on the porch that that might make sense because they could have easily just hosed him off with the with the garden hose and like that's why the cadaver dogs hit on the drain was because the majority of his blood like went down the drain. I don't know if they tested for blood in the drain. While you were talking, something just occurred to me. So, I mean, we're 
we're kind of assuming that the person who stabbed Joseph was doing this from above his head and kind of either behind him or like kneeling by his head if Robert was down. What if in the course of whatever was happening, they gave Robert too many drugs and Robert was incapacitated to the point that they couldn't wake him up. They start panicking. Maybe his breath is so shallow they don't think it exists anymore and they need to find some reason to explain his death. They take him downstairs. They hold, they prop him up on someone's knees to kind of get him up so that they can hold him above the drain in the backyard. They stab him three times to sell this story about the intrusion. And that's how he ended up getting stabbed outside. That Then they brought him upstairs, kind of set the scene for their story. And somehow Joseph lost his cool for a second and mentioned being out on the patio because Joseph was not completely convinced that all the blood was gone. And something inside him told him they needed to have an excuse for why Robert's blood was outside. If I'm going to stage a murder, especially if I'm going to stage a stabbing, okay, why would I move the body back and forth? If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna say, oh, someone broke into my house and they stabbed my, uh, my friend or whatever, I would want that. To, I would want it to look like a real crime scene. Like, why would I get rid of all the blood? That doesn't make any sense. If I was gonna stage this crime scene and say, like, oh, I accidentally killed my friend, and then I'm gonna make it look like someone came in and stabbed him, like. I'm going to actually stab him on the bed. That makes sense. I'm trying to think about the autopsy. The When the autopsy was done, they said that these three stab wounds looked very controlled. They were all at the same angle. They were all at the same depth. This is not someone who's hysterical and crying and freaking out, trying to cover something up and stabbing him three times. This is someone who is very clearly like one, two, three. And that's why they're all so uniform. They're all so similar. They're all, I mean, they're all pretty grouped closely together. I know that we said that one of the stab wounds was in his intestines, but it was actually high up, like just below his sternum. Well, that's why I had mentioned that it, it kind of pierced his pancreas too. So that, cause it was, it was the heart, the lung and the pancreas or the, the lower intestine. So yeah, those are all pretty centered. I'm not a doctor. I don't know where the pancreas is. Fuck. I don't know where a pancreas is. So that doesn't even help. Okay, other people might know where a pancreas is. I mean, look at look at an anatomical figure, okay? I don't I don't know where a pancreas is. He was stabbed 3 times in in the mid to upper chest. Um Please share with us your theories, because like I said, so much of this information I have never heard before. Please connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, comment anywhere. Um, Instagram would probably be best because Jane can actually see those and interact with people and see their their ideas, because this whole case is insane. No justice has been brought to anyone. And I just I feel like there are answers out there and we need to find them. So yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode from Jane. She always brings some interesting stuff to the table. My favorite cases are the ones that are very convoluted and make me so frustrated that I cry. So, you know, Elisa Lamb was like that. I went through rabbit hole after rabbit hole with that one. Wasn't pregnant at the time, but I cried a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> this time I cried even more because I've got all those hormones. So, you know, hopefully the next one that I end up doing is, is the same. I've got a whole list of random, random cases. I was actually looking for like a documentary or something on this case in particular. And there's never been any like tv shows or anything like that that have covered this one so that's why i wanted to cover it more in depth because like i said i watched or I, I listened to crime junkie originally about this and their episode is like a half hour so 
like they didn't get into a lot of this other stuff and like the generation y podcast uh i listened to to that episode on robert one and that one was a little more in depth that's where i learned a lot more information but that still didn't cover a whole lot of this stuff that crystal unfortunately brought to the table so you know yeah um let us know what you think guys and um we will see you later bye bye <laughs>